God's doing. This past Wednesday, uh, uh, normally we have our men's meeting and things are going on and there, but this past Wednesday, uh, Jessica's finishing up singing over at uh, Wesley as a senior. And Wesley is a, a, a college ministry over there at Athens at UGA. And, <clears throat> and I went in there Wednesday night and, man, just the prayer meeting they had before it started and there were probably 100 to 200 kids already there, you know, praying. And it was powerful. And then about 1,000 show up, you know, a little bit later. And, you know, I, I'm so encouraged to see that the church is alive and well. And God's working in the lives of many, many young people. And, you know, and, and things like that don't get shared on the news. But when you see something like that and you see these kids so fired up in love with Jesus and, and, and passionate about it, you know, I never felt so old in a place in my life. But I tell you what, uh, it was awesome to see all those young people. And those freshmen look like babies, you know, to me right now. But when you look across that campus and see what God's doing, uh, it's just a powerful thing. But I'm encouraged by that. And this week uh, on Facebook, I, I put out a message through Gratis Church's uh, thing. On uh, We're doing the series called I Love My Church. I Love My Church. And so I put the question out, why do you, I'm curious, why do you love your church? And you know, the thing that I received, and, and several of you wrote on there, and some of you might be thinking about that right now. Why do you love your church? And the number one response that kept coming back is, I love my church because it, it feels like it's family. It's family. And that is the number one response that happens here at Gratis. People to say things like, as soon as I walk in the doors, uh, from the time I'm greeted until the time throughout the entire process, I feel loved, I feel welcomed. I feel that, and I see many of you nodding your heads, you're confirming that, you've experienced that. And we love our church, and we look around this room, and I was telling uh, Jonathan and Katie over there before church started, I said, I can remember when we met in our house, <laughs> and I can remember just uh, in those few months, just walking up front and pacing, going, Lord, is there anybody going to show up? You know, and, and sure enough, there were a handful of people, and it grew. And, and God's brought us to this point. But listen, on a, on a day like this, I am glad you're here because God has a message for us today. And that is why I love my church. And I, I love it in such a way he's going to give us some insight on how we can love one another and do what God has called us to do. Because we have that love, I think we're one of the best kept secrets in Walton County, y'all. I believe we are. Because this church is one of the most loving churches I've ever been a part of in all my life. I've been in a church before, and I've pastored in churches before, where people didn't like the people on the other side of the room. If you, can you imagine that? And wouldn't even speak to them. And they're in church. Of all places, wouldn't even speak to them. But I've been in some of those. And I've been in some business meetings that were just not godly. And, but you know what? 
at this place. I feel the love. I know the love's there, and it is family. And so I'm going to uh, speak on that a little bit. But Granite's Church is, and it feels like family. And the way it is is that people care. I was going to get Caleb to put up um, an acrostic. And this acrostic uh, represents family. And that acrostic says this. Family means this. Forget about me. I love you. That's what family represents. Forget about me. I love you. That's a great thing to remember for family, isn't it? Isn't it amazing? And I've always remembered when we'd be around the house and as I was growing up as a boy and mom would cook one of the best meals you could ever have. And it would get down to there'd be just a, a piece of chicken left. And, and guess what? Mom hadn't even had any. And I'd already had some. But you know what my mom would do? She loved her family so much, she said, forget about me, I love you, and I got to eat that extra piece. Anybody know what I'm talking about in the room? That's love. That's love. Forget about me, I love you. I told someone uh, what love is, is going in a garden and picking the stuff, shelling it, cleaning it, cooking it, and then serving it to you. That's love. Amen? <laughs> if you want a definition of love, that's picking butter beans. Love. You don't know love until somebody does that for you. Amen? You know what I'm talking about? But that's love. Forget about me. I love you. Now the man in the room says, here's what love is. I go to the lake. I slave all day. I catch those fish. I come back. I clean them and I cook them and I serve them to you. Amen, brother? That's love, isn't it? The man says, I go sit on that deer stand and even though I don't want to, I go and I harvest that deer, and I bring that deer home, clean it, and we prepare it. That's love. Well, listen, love is all kinds of ways. But the thing that we're going to see is this. How will the world really know that that church is really doing what it's supposed to do? God gives us the foundation for that in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. And this is a foundation text, and then I'm going to share an Old Testament story with you, and then we're going to go over to 1 John 3. So we've got some ground to cover, but it's good ground. But the foundation of this message today is based on a new commandment that Jesus had given to his disciples. And it was this, John 13, 34, and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. And how are we to do that? Even... As I have loved you, that you also love one another. We know that the Father loved Jesus, and then Jesus shared that love with his disciples. And he's saying in this verse, even as the Father's loved me, I have loved you, and now you are to love one another. And what kind of love did Jesus have? It was the kind that Jessica read about. He humbled himself. He gave of himself. He laid down. He said, forget about me. I love you. He wanted us to part of his family. So he did what was necessary to make it happen. And then he says in verse 35, this is our catcher here. Gene, this means everything. He says, by this, by this, that's the love, by this love, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I believe one of the most powerful witnesses of the church 
is when an unbeliever or when a person is searching for a place, they come in and they experience the love of God through the love of the people. It's the most beautiful thing in the world. It is the most powerful thing. And that's what the world needs to see. You know, the world doesn't need to see people not speaking to one another or people judging one another or people against one another. What the world needs to see is that these people love one another. They care for one another. We see them talking to one another. Man, they're over there laughing together. They're hugging one another. They're encouraging one another as, as it is in a place. And you know, that's something that you can't manufacture. Either you have the love of God or you don't. And when you do have the love of God, it's just like that young lady. And I loved it, Jessica, when, when we got ready to leave Wednesday night. And it was hours after we started. She looked at those young people and she said, Don't you forget that you have the Spirit of God inside of you. And I thought, wow, what a challenge. And so she was reminding all those young people, you've got what it takes for the world to see. You've got the Spirit, and the Spirit is love. Fruit of the Spirit's love. That's the first one. He gives you nine of them, but the first one is love. And so, but I also believe that one of the worst things that the world can see or an unbeliever coming into a church can see is that people don't love one another. They don't care. Such things as, man, boy, that place was colder than a funeral home. Not a person in that place spoke to me. Have you ever been to one of those? Not a person spoke to me. Or I felt like I wasn't even welcome. Or, or people were just over there in their own groups and they didn't even notice me. I'm, I, I guess I don't care. And that's something that we as a church, listen, I want us to talk to one another. I want us to care for one another, love one another. But we'll get into that next Sunday when we see people come in that you don't know. That's the time to be the church. And that's what we'll be dealing with next week. But did you know this? One of our core values at Gratis is this, unity. Unity. That we will be unified. Now, does that mean that uh, we might not agree on certain things? <laughs> of course, uh, you, in a family, not, you're not going to agree about everything all the time. But we have learned to say this. Say what you mean. Mean what you say. But just don't say it mean. That's the way you do it. You say what you mean. You mean what you say, but you just don't say it mean, all right. All right, you ladies, it's not like, well, talk to the hand. It ain't none of that. Talk to the hand. It's open communication. Did any of y'all grow up with somebody yelling at you? Anybody? Anybody want to admit it? I'm, am I the only one? Okay, I, I grew up with somebody yelling at me when I did wrong. Or coaches. Did anybody have a coach that was kind to you all the time or one that chewed your butt and yelled at you all the time? All right, anybody know what I'm talking about? I thought they were mean by the way they acted. But sometimes it was love. But, but listen, there's some mean people in this world. And 
they, they're just that way, but we have to learn that the power of love is about the unity, the unity of it. And what we're going to see is this. You can't have unity without clarity. I learned that in a leadership lesson one time. You can't have unity without clarity. What do I mean by that? As long as people are knowing what your vision is and where you're headed, it unifies everyone. If everybody knows, like if you're in a boat and you know you're headed to a destination, you're in that cruise ship and you know you're going to the Bahamas, the captain knows and that's where he's taking you. Everybody's on the boat. They know they're headed to the Bahamas on vacation. Well, for us, our clarity is our vision. And a few weeks ago, we gave you that. And I'm going to remind you of it. Most of you, I hope you got it memorized by now. But our vision is this. We live like Jesus, our up. We love like Jesus, our in. And we lead people to Jesus, our out. That's our vision. That's our clarity. And listen, when we all are on that same page, and we're all doing those three things every day because Jesus did. Jesus spent time with the Father, his end. He would get up early in the morning. He would go spend time with the Father, talking to him and listening to him, getting an assignment for that day. And then he came down. He went to the disciples. He spent time with them, and he gave them a word. And then he took them with him, and he sent them sometimes, but he went into the world on mission every day to tell them about the love of God. He was that. And that's what the vision does. It gives us clarity. And it unifies us. And that unity is our core value. Well, let me tell you this. You already know this, but I'm going to remind you of it. Every morning when you wake up, you're not home yet. And every morning you might think you're at home, but you're not. As a believer, you're not home yet. You're a stranger. You're passing through in this world. So every morning when you and I wake up, we're waking up in enemy territory. Territory. This is his dominion. This is his world. You wonder why the world's going to hell? <laughs> it's because he's the prince and the ruler and the power of it. God is in control. But listen, Satan is at work. This is his dominion. This is his domain. So every morning, I read this this past week. It was from an unknown source. And it said, I want to be living my life in such a way that when I wake up in the morning, the devil goes, uh-oh, he's up. Woo. Woo-hoo-hoo. That's pretty good, isn't it? Or, but you know what? That's, if we're living the, the up, the in and out, he's going to know. He's going to know. And when we start living that life, he's going to attack you. He's going to attack the family. He's going to attack the church because that's his job and his role. You know why? He's already got the others under his influence. So who do you think he's going to come after? Ask old Job. Ask old Job about it. But here's the first incident that ever happened in the Bible was where Satan came in and did his work. I'm going to tell you the story of the first family. 
The first family, of course, you know Adam and Eve and what they did, but Adam and Eve sinned. And because of that sin, Eve was deceived. And that's the first thing the enemy does. He's a deceiver. The second thing he does is he's a divider. The third thing that he does is the thing that I wrote down here is he's a discourager. But we see those two, three things are going to happen in this text today. But the story happens that Eve was deceived, and then Adam willfully sinned, and then God dealt with it. But what did God have to do? God had to kill an innocent animal in order to cover them because they were naked and ashamed. So at the end of all of that, we come to chapter 4, and we deal with the first family. So Adam and Eve, they had relations, and out of that came the first person born on the planet. The others were made, okay? But this was the first one born, and it was Cain. Cain. Now, how many of y'all know somebody by the name of Cain? You do? I didn't, I've never grown up with anybody. Uh, the other night, after we did the Wesley thing, Angie said, I want to go eat that chicken over there. At, uh, I mean, she said, Raising Cain. I don't know if, you know, it's, it's better than Zaxby's. I'm going to tell you that. But it's some really good chicken. But it's a place in Athens called Raising Cain. And I'm like, whew, I don't know if I like that name. But how many of you grew up hearing somebody going, oh, my kid, he's just a raisin cane? Well, you know where we get it from is this, what happened in the story of Cain and Abel. Well, Adam and Eve had Cain, and then they had Abel. And they, they obviously had grown up because at this point, the Bible says that Cain was a tiller of the ground, and Abel was a keeper of the flock. And so they went about their duties. And obviously God had told them, and Adam had shared with them, how they were supposed to do their sacrifices to the Lord. Well, Cain brings the best of his crops to God. And Abel goes and takes one of the innocent animals, slays it, and brings it as an offering. It was with blood. And so he brought that offering. And the, the story goes that God accepted Abel's offering, but he rejected Cain's. And so this made Cain angry. Man, he got mad at God. He was upset. And the Bible says his face showed it. His countenance fell. He, he just dropped his head. Man, he was disgusted. He was mad at God. Because, God, you accepted my brother's offering, but you didn't accept mine. So God had a talk with Cain, and he came to him and he said, Cain, I mean, why are you angry? Why is your countenance down? And then he goes on to say to him, he said, listen, there's an opportunity for you to do good, and there's an opportunity of evil is waiting on you. He said, sin is waiting at the door to master you, Cain, but you better master it. Well, do you think Cain took God's advice? No. First chance after that he got, he took, he was in the fields, okay, so he took Abel out into the fields, and they, he had a talk with Abel. And after that talk, while they were out in the field, he killed 
his brother. We're talking about, y'all listen, this is the first family, okay? I, I told Angie this week, I said, can you imagine what Adam and Eve had to go through? They have these children, and the first one murders the second one. I was sitting there thinking about my boys. I said, I couldn't even imagine if Caleb were to murder Philip. I know he wanted to kill him sometimes, but, but he didn't, thank the Lord. And I know Philip wanted to kill him sometimes, but they didn't. But in this case, Cain murdered. He rose up, rose up against him, and he murdered his brother. And then God did exactly what he did to Adam and Eve. And he, he came and he asked Cain, he said, where are you? Where are you? And then Cain, he asked Cain, he said, where's your brother? And Cain said, I, I don't know. Was that the truth? No, that was a lie. He knew where his brother was. And then he turned to God and he said, am I my brother's keeper? He threw it back in God's face. And then God said to him, Cain, the blood of your brother is, is crying out from the ground to me. And so God went on to do some things to Cain. He cursed him. And he made it in such a way that Cain was never able to do any more of the farming because he said the ground's going to be cursed because of the blood of your brother that was spilled. So Cain was, was uh, made a wanderer. He, he had to wander for the rest of his life. And he, he said his punishment was so great, and he cried out to God, and he said there, somebody's going to kill me. And so God gave a sign so that so, somebody wouldn't kill Cain. And then one of the saddest verses in the Bible says, Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. So Adam and Eve have lost Abel, and now Cain, their firstborn, is now sent away. Wow, how, first family. Wow. Think about that. But here's the, here's the power of it. The story goes on, and here's the, the thing. Cain and his descendants, you, they got wiped out in the flood. They're gone. But God did something later. He brought in another one named Seth, and then in Genesis 5, he gives a whole list of Seth's descendants all the way to Noah, and that's the line of where Jesus eventually comes through. But listen, the devil got in there and divided the very first family. So now, don't you see why he comes after the church? Don't you see why he comes and he attacks? He doesn't want us to be showing love for one, for one another. You know the opposite of love is hate. You know the opposite of good is evil. And that's what this story is all about. Now, here's the key to this. Turn with me now to 1 John. And this is where we're going to re remain for the rest of this morning. But I'm going to give you some more insight into this story and how important this unity is. 1 John chapter 3. Remember at Christmas I shared with you all about the reasons that Jesus appeared? I said John points out in 1 John 3 
he gives two reasons. He said, number one, he appeared to take away sins. And, and he accomplished that. He who had no sin became sin. Number two, he appeared, it says in verse 8, the Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. And did he accomplish that? Absolutely. He destroyed the works of the devil. He conquered death. And that's the one thing that the enemy, the enemy can try to divide us. He can try to deceive us. He can try to discourage us. But he can never defeat us. Amen. He can never defeat us because Jesus has already conquered him. Sin, death, and the grave. He's already accomplished everything that needs. And that's why, that's why the key is this. Greater is he, you got the spirit in you, greater is he that is in this world, greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. So get that now. Greater is he, the love of God, the, love, the power of the spirit that is in you than the one who is in this world, Satan himself. And he goes on to say in this, pick up with me in verse 10. He says, by this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. Wow. He's, this love, I love my church, I love my family, I love my brother is important. Why? Look in verse 11. For this is the message which you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Check it out, verse 12. Not as Cain. You see, he goes all the way back to Genesis 4. Not as Cain, who was of the evil one, and he slew his brother. And for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil. And his brothers were righteous. That's why Cain killed Abel. And oh, by the way, people talk about all the things about weapons and all of that in the world about what we should do in this country. I'm going to tell you, it's the heart. It's not a weapon. People, don't, we don't even know what Cain used. It could have been one of the things he used in, you know, in his gardening or it could have been a knife that Abel used when he slew the first one who knows could have been a rock or it could have been his own bare hands but the issue is it's not the weapon it's the heart of it you hear what I'm saying church and and I've hey listen I've owned guns all my life but if 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 anybody ever tries to come and take my gun the government tries to come and take my gun from me you know what they're going to get first? The bullets. They're going to get the bullets before they get the gun. They will. I'm going to tell you why. Because we have the right to protect ourselves. We do. And there's the, you know why the evil one wants that taken away? Because he wants to be able to kill just like Hitler did to the Jews. Look at your history. You don't have to go far to check it out, folks. It's there. But it's not the weapon. It's not the weapon. It's the heart behind it. And listen, there are evil people in this world, and they'll find a way to kill you any way they can. Caleb pulled in this morning. He forgot the key or lost the key to the trailer. And guess what? 
I have these in my toolbox. We weren't going to have a sound system today. I said, oh, yes, we are. Bolt cutters. You know what? This keeps, this keeps, this can get in. You know what a lock's for is just to keep honest people out. And you might say, well, why does a preacher have bolt cutters in his toolbox? That's a whole different story, y'all. I guess it was to let us have a, a word today. Because if we hadn't had a sound system, it would have been kind of hard for me to be able to talk loud enough over these fans in this room. Amen? It would have been. But listen, the reason God wants you to hear a message today, and the message that was going on in that place that day, was that Cain was doing evil. And he had a heart of evil. Mm. He be, and his brother's acts were righteous. Then it says, verse 13, 13, Do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. <laughs> All right. Now this is going to affect some people in the room because you want everybody to love you. But the world is going to hate you. Did they hate Jesus? Absolutely. They put him on a cross. And they crucified him. They hated him, and he was the God of all love. Don't be surprised. And then verse 14, we know that we have passed out of death unto life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We know love by this that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren family forget about me I love you that's it he loved us enough that he laid down his life for the brethren greater love have no man than this than one who goes and lays down his life for a brother amen our military is doing it even now, they love you and I enough that they're over there fighting for freedom in the world so that we can keep our freedom right here in America. Greater love have no man to this than one lays down his life for the brethren. Now, the, where we're going to close is verse 17 and 18. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. So I'm wrapping this up with this. When we tell people we love them, that's one thing, and that's great. But when we demonstrate to people that we love them, that's even greater. That's even greater. And when we do that, the world will see it. He's saying in here, if you've, got, if you've got resources and somebody else that you know that's in the family has a need, you do something about it. You don't just say, oh, ho, ho, we love you. Oh, ho, ho, we love you, but I, I hope your car gets repaired, but we love you. If we know that a car needs to be repaired, we do something to help get it repaired. If somebody's house burned down, we don't go just, oh, oh, we love you. We love you. What do we do? We help them. 
We help them find a place. We help them get resources. We give clothes. We do whatever it takes to help them. And I'll give you a whole list of things that show love and demonstrate love to other people. Because listen, y'all, love is a verb. Love is action. It's not just, if I were to just tell my wife I love you, but I didn't spend time with her, and I didn't show that loving. And listen, we had a way to do that this past week. But listen, every day is a Valentine's Day with my wife. I love her, and I love her every day. I don't just shower her on that one day. It's all about every day. But here's, here's how we show love. I wrote these down. Call. Call somebody. If the Lord, if you're, if you're going through your day and the Lord puts somebody on your heart, call them. If you can't call them, do the next best thing. What? Text them. Check on them. Text them. Some of you are great at this on Facebook. Message. Message somebody. How are you doing? Haven't seen you. What's going on? Are you okay? How, how can I pray for you? These are things, y'all, I do. I put them as a part of my DNA. It's what I do. A handwritten note and a card. You know, in our day and time, when <laughs> there's one thing that I, that I treasure, is that when I get a card from someone or a note from someone and it's handwritten, who I, re I read it more than one time. In fact, I put it in my Bible and I pull it out and read it often. You know what I'm saying? Because we don't get those things anymore. I've got all the love letters my wife ever wrote me before we got married. And you might say, well, that's weird. But no, I go back and I read them. And I, I, I love those things. But a handwritten note, a card, a kind word, a hug, a meal when someone is, is sick or if someone is down, just to, to carry a meal by, that's love. Here's some other things, an, an act of service, a good word. I've had so many of y'all bless me with an act of service. You didn't have to, you did. An act of service, if somebody see a need in your yard, yard work, a tree down, or the grass needs cutting, or weed eating, or something like that, that's love. You don't believe that's love? You're crazy. Because you get out there with a weed whacker, you know, and you get out there at 100 degrees and you do something for somebody. Or if the car's down and, and you, you stop what you need to do and you go over there and you take, make sure that car gets repaired and, and fixed, that's love. That's love. Forget about me. Forget about what my schedule was. Forget about me. I love you. And then access a gift card. And I've, I've said this. If you don't know what to do, ask God and he'll open your eyes to some things that you might need to do to show and demonstrate that love. And where do you do that? You do it, you do it, you start at home, you deal with your neighbors. I've cut my neighbor's grass. My neighbor has cut my grass when, I, when my knee was down. I was blown away, he just showed up and started cutting. He did, but you know, you start with your own neighborhood. You, you do your workplace. You look around. And you see, where can I show this love? You not only do it in your workplace, you do it in your school. My wife was this past week with a teacher that just had a baby born without kidneys, and it was stillborn. But she delivered that baby, and 
they held that baby and then that baby was cremated and then Angie shows up just as they come in with the ashes of that baby. Do you think it's, she sees her school as a workplace? No, she sees this school as a ministry so that she can help people and she sees it. But see, you got to see the need and once you see that need, you don't sit there and go, oh man, I'm just going to pray for you. Prayer's good if that's all you can do. That's a great thing. But prayer and then showing that act and that love is even more powerful. Community things, sports teams. Man, listen, you got opportunity with the sports and the coaching and stuff like that. Those are opportunities. The prisons, hospitals, nursing homes. You know, going to see people. When they're, when they're going through a rough time, praying with people when they're in those moments, that is love. And that's demonstrating love. And y'all, that is what the world needs to see. Forget about me. We're family. Forget about me. I love you. So, hey, we're in it together, y'all. We're going to keep moving to forward. And we're going to keep this vision out there. And we're going to pray for one another, encourage one another. But just remember the lessons today. There's an enemy that's going to try to deceive, divide, and discourage us. But we got to tell him, devil, you're defeated. And we're moving forward. Amen. We're the church. He loves the church. I love my church. And I love you. We're moving forward in the power of Jesus' name. Let's pray.